Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at the Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. This is Revolting with Stevel and Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 24, The Rules. And uh, before we start today's episode, we are obligated to tell you that this podcast contemplates both mature and immature themes. You might not like the, use, the words we use or the ideas that we bring up. If you're sensitive about these things, maybe this isn't the podcast for you. It's okay. We still love you. Good morning, robot. Good morning. I want to point out it's not 7 a.m. where you are yet. Mm, no, 6.59. You are up and Adam. That's right. I have uh, I have appointments today. And um, not many. I mean, you know, I <laughs> <laughs> when I have one thing to do, I basically scrap my entire day. Like that's what <laughs> I was reading. <laughs> I was reading this like like uh, I don't know where it was. It was like details of the ADHD personality. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you got something to do at four o'clock? Well, better not do anything all day. That's right. <laughs> it's, really, it's really fucked up. So I don't have that many things going on today, but um but I figured I woke up, I wasn't feeling super fuzzy. I already made a cup of coffee and posted today's thing on the website. And so I was just like, maybe I can uh maybe I can formulate some thoughts. And then you sent the notes and I liked the notes. So oh, that kind of inspired notes. me to get cracking on this. <clears throat> you got a, you got, I mean, I can't see your hair because of your headwear, your baseball cap. Yeah. Um, but you have a fancy haircut, a boy's when, uh, regular, <laughs> a little, a little gentleman. Yeah, that's right. The young gentleman. When that's you right. when you logged on this morning, were you like, hey, "Well, who is this young go-getter?" I was. Yeah, yeah. I uh, it's been getting a little unruly. I think I've gotten I got about two haircuts a year. I guess I, at this rate, everything is based on like last March when I got to Washington State, and and before that, I was trying to think of something this morning like oh i i watched this um there's a vice tv has a a series called something like the dark side of the 90s and they get into just random bits and pieces but they were talking about like the advent of the internet and the dot com boom in the early um in the early uh what when was that early uh 98 99 i guess and uh and I was like, where was I? What was I doing in 2000? What was I doing in 1999? I have no, <laughs> I have no idea where I've been in the last 20 years. I feel like I've just been like frozen from a cryogenic or thawed from a cryogenic sleep. And right. it's been, you know, I don't know. I was, I don't know what, what, where, fuck man. It's all <laughs> just been. Why did I start talking about this? Fuck man is the correct. Well, I think it's because today is the first day of the rest of your life. I think yeah. that's why you've got a you got a little gentleman's haircut. Um, you're up and working, bef you know, before 7 a.m. Yes. And uh, your whole uh, frame of time reference is skewed yes. since you came to. Just fucked. I mean, uh, oh, <clears throat> haircuts. Yeah, I get two haircuts a year, and <laughs> and that has been the last. That's been since last March. That I know where I've been since last March, but up until that point, yeah. who knows how many haircuts I got? I basically like that's the only way I can gauge time now is is haircuts. You did last week when you logged on, and I gazed upon your handsome visage. You did look <laughs> a little bit like, um. 
You know, have you ever seen like National Geographic when like two gorillas fight and like the alpha <laughs> male? You look like the gorilla. Last week, you look like the gorilla that lost that fight. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that tracks. Whereas this like, week. I felt like the gorilla that lost. Yeah, this week I look like the gorilla that got a got a job on you Wall Street. You do. You do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, there's a place called Hair Hair Art, and I just Hair sort Art. of fell into that place. And uh, there's a woman there who works there named Danielle. Of course, she's real cool. Uh, she's from Colorado originally. She's uh, pretty blue collar. Learned yesterday that her husband is the head of maintenance at a at a nearby fancy hotel where I should note uh, there was a fun parking garage that I used to go play at when I would come visit my parents. And it had this eight foot long parking block that was painted yellow. Oh. And that clearly was the one spot where everybody would do various curb tricks. And it was fun. It was a nice place to get out of the foul weather. And um I went there like two months ago and they had actually someone had skate stopped a fucking parking block. I've never probably, seen that before. Probably Danielle's husband. It could have been. He's probably like, I'm sick of repainting this parking block. I've never seen any any place so protective of a completely innocuous object as a curb or a parking block as yeah. the city of Bellingham, Washington. Yeah, they fucking they. It's insane. It's insane. They skate, they skate, stop the most, the dumbest shit. And, you know, I guess there's nothing else to worry about. I think it's, I think it's kind of, I mean, you must live in a really nice place when they're like, they've got their shit so high and tight. They're like, (laughs) oh, last thing on the to-do list, you know, forever is skate, stop that parking block. Yeah. Maybe I, I mean, not really like this stuff is just, it just, it flies so far under the radar, <clears throat> but I, I don't know. Maybe I guess it's just cause the maintenance crews don't have anything else to worry about or the attention to detail. There's just like nothing going on. So it's somebody says like, Hey, uh, you know, that one little divider between the drive-in and the parking lot seems to be a little scuffed today. Let <laughs> <laughs> you go out and repaint it. Oh, well, why, why is it scuffed at this? Some ne'er do wells have been messing it up with their, with their tricks. Some ne'er do wells who look like a bunch of gorillas fresh gorillas. from a scrap. Gorillas in a fight. Yeah. Some old guys out here mucking about. Well, so, t- today you're all business. You don't I'm have to worry business. about any old parking block. Danielle has quaffed you. Oh yeah, that's where <laughs> I was going with that. Yeah, so Danielle, she, uh, they, they, they work really inexpensively um and uh i walk out feeling like i look incrementally better than i felt like i looked when i walked in so yes. there you go before we clicked record we were bemoaning the price of a of a haircut yeah there's uh there was two instances where i i would just like what what's a men's haircut cost you know like i don't know i'd never gone to any place besides like my mom cut my hair growing up and then I didn't get a haircut for decades. And then I, I guess I, um, I just went into some kind of bougie salon place in Oakland and, and they, when I got, you know, they rang me up and it was like uh, 70 or $80 for like a real bullshit trim. And I, you know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm not going to sweat somebody for making a living. So I paid $80 and was like, Holy fuck. Okay. I can't go there again. Yeah. Mind you, it was definitely not an $80 haircut. It's not like, right. I don't even think they shampooed my hair or anything. It was just like a trim. So then I went into another salon, uh, and that was $75. And I guess, you know, it's my bad for not asking Yeah. the outset, like what, a what, a 15 minute men's haircut costs. Uh, so that was a lot of money spent $155 for two haircuts. Yeah. I used to um, pay, I used to pay, you know, between 10 and $15 to have an old dude cut my hair, but then the old dude died. Uh, cause that's, that's kind of what old dudes do. And, um, 
then I was like, these young dudes all want to um, do fancy stuff to my head. And I'm just a like two on the sides, four on the top kind of fella. So I bought the yeah. guards and I just uh, shaved my own head. And the price of that is the strip that I miss on the back of my head each time that my <laughs> right. wife and kids point yes. out to me after after like three or four days. They never say anything yeah. the day of the haircut. They let me walk. To, they let me go to the grocery <laughs> store and do all that other shit for a while. And that's just the price I pay. And I'm OK with that. Plus the whole configuration of mirrors that you have to set up so that you can it's it's like you were looking at the back of your own head and not a reverse. Right. Image. That's right. Of the back of your head. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> there was some place I went to, you know, there was like this whole, um, trend of, of kind of, it's an overused term, but sort of these hipster barber shops mm, yes. where I knew this woman, uh, who was, who worked at one of them and she's like, dude, it's just like the fucking Aryan youth haircut over yeah. and over and over again. And it's the kind of place that it's like. $50 for a bullshit haircut, but you get a shot of whiskey and <laughs> the person who's working on you has a well manicured mustache and wears a leather apron. And, you know, I'm yeah. like, Oh my God, why, what could like, that is sort of the, the, that's what the old guy at the barbershop, that's sort of what the, these places were modeled after. But fetishized. I, it's like that, thought, but oh, fetishized, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know the last time I went in, I stopped into one and they were like, Oh, well we're booked out. And there was like eight empty chairs in this place. <laughs> really? My haircut's going to take two fucking minutes and right. you're booked. Okay. You know, like I just, it's yeah. stupid. I just kind of wish my, I don't wish my hair to fall out, but it would be cool if it would just stop growing. Yeah. Well, I've you know? substituted a hairstyle for like a pair of clippers and no sense of shame. That's, I just yeah. got yeah, one go. in place of the other. And I'm not saying you should do that. But I'm I'm saying you should probably do that. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I've given up on. I don't really care. Yeah, how I look. Yeah, you know. But at some point, because my hair is curly, it just gets big. It doesn't get long anymore. It just gets round. Yeah, and I look like w w kind of one of the golden girls. Yeah, <laughs> and I and I can't I can't have that. Chia steel. So I gotta. <laughs> I gotta I gotta knock that off. Yeah, and just kind of keep it. So whatever. Twice a year, I go see Danielle. And it's all good. Danielle. All right. Should we <laughs> so, get to it? Yeah, we have uh, this. I'm actually I was excited uh, when I read the notes this morning. This is oh. this is kind of a, this is a fun topic for me. Oh, good. Well, so, this episode yeah, uh, is about it's called the rules. Um, And it's about all the dumb shit cyclists think they have to do. And there were like by I can't remember uh, the rules of cycling. Somebody wrote like oh, a whole yeah, list yeah. of there is a actual the rules years right? ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I looked through them. I've actually looked through them recently and I'm kind of looking. Yeah, I'm looking them up now as well. Just so we have. Oh, there's so many. Jesus, there's so many rules. <laughs> you know, I, I'm very ambivalent <clears throat> about those rules as they're written. And if you haven't seen them, I think if you Google cycling and the rules, you'll find them. Uh, and they're there, very there is. They're like Velom, huh? Velo Minati. Oh, the Velo Minati. Minati. Yeah. Yeah. The, the keepers of the cog. Yeah. This is where I first saw it. And it's funny. And I'm sure it's, I mean, I would like to believe that it's all kind of tongue in cheek, but maybe. Yeah. You know. I think it's both. I think it's tongue in cheek and also serious. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel ambivalent about it. And maybe I'm just clever enough not to understand that it's all tongue in cheek. I think that's probably right. Well, I think you, I mean, to have, you have to have the perspective because you have to know, you would have to know the people who were behind it. You know, they yeah. could have just been a bunch of clowns like us, like sitting around a table yeah, right? yeah. coming up with all of these arbitrary did rules. Did you just that, call me a clown? I did. Yeah. Both of us. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, so yeah. What, uh, what are the, what are cycling's dumbest rules? I mean, it is, it is so, it's, it's interesting because people are so type A, like bike riders mm. are, are super type A, you know, like you show up to a fancy pants club, uh, group ride and you have a helmet on your, a mirror on your helmet and you're going to get 
scornful looks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can't do that. You can't do, you can't, you can't ride in, you know, do a fancy pants group ride and wear, you know, tennis shoes and have clips and straps. Like that'll give you look, looks of scorn. It's true. And, um, so many, so many things. I mean, there's like, I don't really buy into any of them. Although this was a question in the, in a recent, um, uh, message messages from a bottle answers from a bottle letters, answers, from <laughs> answers <laughs> from a message <laughs> answers from a bottle on the cycling independent. Somebody asked me if it was knee warmers on the outside or leg warmers on the outside of your shorts or the inside of your shorts. Right. And I was saying that there was somewhere along the way that I saw somebody had them on the outside of their shorts. I thought it was my friend, Tim. Yeah. And I asked him and he said, no, under no circumstances. Was it me? And then I asked this guy, Jake Hess, who I used to ride with a lot. And he's like, like retired pro, like this dude is a fucking haunch and kind of a psych, like bike, like road historian in the Santa Cruz area. And I asked him and he said, no, for sure not. And then I asked Eric Richter, who is another guy I spent a lot of time on a road bike with. And he said, absolutely not. So I have no idea where I saw it, but it was somebody. And when I saw it, I thought, huh, maybe that's not a bad idea. They were on the outside. Yeah. Knee warmers on the outside of the shorts. So I gave it a shot for, you know, a couple of rides and my short or my, my knee warmers stayed up, which is something that I tend to always have a problem with. And, uh, and then I saw Joe Parkin and he was like, fucking stop it. Cut it out. <laughs> so, so I didn't do it anymore. I think I did it on three rides and then I saw, and then Joe saw and me and Joe told me to knock you. it off. And, yeah, I haven't done it. I haven't done it since. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> I just don't well, wear like, knee warmers. That's my solution. Yeah. God, I love knee warmers. I love the arm warmers, arm warmers and knee warmers, I think are two of the finest accessories oh ever conceived of yeah i'm not a knee warmer guy unless you're just wearing knee warmers and then i think it's pretty cool been been there yeah i believe you uh, <laughs> i mean i think i think the rules like one of the rules uh that happened at some point in my life uh, after i was a kid was that you have to wear a helmet no matter what no matter where you go uh no matter how you go like you just have to wear a helmet and i don't I don't. I didn't for years. I didn't. I think the whole time I was a messenger, I didn't yeah. wear a helmet. Um, I didn't wear, I rarely wore a helmet on road rides. Yeah. I always wore a helmet on mountain bike rides, which doesn't make any fucking sense. Cause you were like, you are at the whim of a distracted, you know, your, your fate sure. is, a, is in the hands of distracted drivers. You're in far more danger. potential danger. Yeah on the road than you would be on a mountain bike ride, but I always wore them on my, it doesn't make any sense. So ultimately I think when I, my partner and I, my ex part, my ex and I started dating and we were riding together and I would always encourage her to wear a helmet. And then of course I'm going to wear a helmet because I can't tell you to wear a helmet and me not to wear a helmet. And so then I always just wore one. Well, why, you know, mostly. Why did you tell her to wear a helmet? Uh, because I, you know, for the same reason I would have told me to wear a helmet. It's fucking dangerous. Like <laughs> just drivers don't have your best interests right. at heart. I don't, I just never wore one. Cause I didn't, I just didn't, it wasn't like a fashion thing. It just, it just felt more comfortable to not have one on. I like not wearing one. I wear one a lot. I always feel this is feels like such a freighted topic. Like people are going to be like, why you can't wear, you're an idiot. You gotta always wear a helmet. But I think, Uh, in fact, one time I was, I spoke at a transportation conference, uh, in Boston. I don't know why they invited me. Uh, and I think afterwards they also wondered why, (laughs) but, um, there were people talking about commuting and how you commute and these women, um, put their hands up and they were like, I would ride my bike to work, but it messes up my hair. What should I do? And I was like. Well, I think you have two solid choices. One, have messy hair. It's fine. And or two, don't wear a helmet. That's also fine. And there was like this. It would, there must have been 100 people in the room. And there was this collective gasp. Like, <laughs> did this guy just say don't wear a helmet? And I was like, well, look. Raise your hand 
if you know someone who's had a concussion from a bicycle accident and like a very small few people raised their hands and I was like, right, I've ridden my bike my whole life. I don't know how many thousands of rides I've done and how many times I've fallen off. I've never cracked a helmet. I know some people have. I've never mm-hmm. concussed myself. Uh, I guess I probably know one or two people, but like almost everyone I know is a cyclist. So I'm not saying that. Um, I'm not saying you're not safer with a helmet on. I'm just saying like, you know, don't kid yourself. Like I, I'm a, I'm, I'm really, we've talked about fear before. We've done whole episodes about fear. Right. And I, my thing is like, the helmet creates this kind of, I think, unfounded fear. Mm. Or I should say it's a fear. It's a very marginal. There's a very low likelihood that you're going to concuss yourself uh, riding your bike. And I think it sort of creates this idea that like riding a bike is unsafe when it's just not. Well, it's not riding a bike is not unsafe, but riding a bike with people with with people in giant metal cages you know that's unsafe like in the argument is always like well i crashed one time and, and a helmet saved my life and i'm like okay you know so that was that was good for you and also there are countless millions of people who have successfully navigated from point a to point b without a helmet who didn't die right you know i right, mean right. it's yeah, I'm not saying I personally, that- I'm not going to I'm not going to encourage somebody not to not wear a helmet or I'm not going to say that, you know, one one way or another, like I wear them and, and that's fine. You choose not to wear one. I wear them, too. Okay. I just think like our the idea that if you don't have one on, you're a lunatic is not right. right. And that bo- or that it somehow like ref- reflects badly against bike riders in in general right or you know like i rode to the grocery store with a no helmet on and i'm basically like a serial killer (laughs) (laughs) right right yeah um i think i mean i don't i I don't trust anything that i like so the thing that i usually tell or mention in conversation with new bike riders or if there's a, a you know a discussion regarding like uh, new commuters like what do i do and, and and i always just say like assume everybody either nobody can see you and they're going to kill you or everybody can see you and will intentionally try to kill you <laughs> like you we are the most vulnerable yeah you know bike riders and pedestrians yeah are the most vulnerable uh in in traffic and you know as i was riding in the air quote bike lane yesterday and a semi came within, I don't know, I'll say six or eight inches of my left hand. And I started thinking to myself, like, I can't believe that white stripe allowed that truck to get that close to me. Right. You know, like there's just no there's no fucking infrastructure. Paint is not infrastructure. And That's one of my. No, the yeah. show, the fucking gutter is not a bike lane. Right. You know, but people you hear people say, well, you know, why aren't you riding in the bike lane or why aren't you? It's just it's just preposterous. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, personally I choose to wear one and it depends on the situation. It depends on the environment too. Like if I'm, if I'm doing greenway rides or, or, uh, uh, interurban rides to a fire road and I'm going to spend 99% of my time where there are no cars and I'm riding roads like dirt roads. I think they call it gravel rides nowadays. I've heard of that. Yeah. I won't, I will, I'll, I won't wear a helmet or I'll wear a hairnet helmet, you know, or something like that. Just because like who fucking like, I'm, I, I might as well be wearing a helmet if I'm walking at that point. Right. But anytime I have to interact with traffic to any degree, helmet, I'll always do it just cause I don't trust, I don't trust anybody. And don't, myself. you know, don't discount the joy of, of wind in whatever hair you have left after Danielle's done with you. Right. I mean, it's really <laughs> nice. Oh, it feels great. Yeah. I love it. Well, yeah. um, 
So one of the ones that I was thinking about the other day was, so I get on a road bike and I fill up two water bottles and I put them in the bottle cages and I leave my house. And then you don't drink any of the water. Well, I do or I don't. But if I ride a mountain bike for a similar amount of time, I fill up a a hydration pack and I put that on my back and I put basically the straw in my mouth. Like it's right there. And I just I'm drinking the whole time. There's Mm -hmm. more water. It's more easily accessible. And that makes me think, why? Why are you like if you um, if you show up for that group ride you were talking about before on road bikes, you have like a a high zoot road bike. You're like going to ride with the cool kids and you show up with a a camelback on. They're like, you're a tool. What's that noob? Yeah. And that makes zero sense. That's dumb. Yeah. Well, I think it's a matter of like if you're going to. Uh, actually, no, that doesn't, I was going to say one thing, but as it started to formulate in my brain, it didn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. Aesthetics, you know, like, do you look like you're riding in the grand tour or any of the classics? Like, and, and mind you, I should also note that the group rides that I've always, always gone on have just been rolling shit shows. <laughs> right, so right, 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 right. Like, <laughs> I've seen the fancy pants roadie yeah. group rides take off where, you know, they're all like elite uh, cat one racers or whatever. Like, I don't, I've never gone on those. Like, and, and honestly, if I'm going to spend five hours with somebody or four hours or six hours right. or whatever, like, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit fitness level or any of it. Like if it, you could be, we could match each other's fitness perfectly. And if you're, if we, I have nothing to talk with you about, yeah, or we're going to talk about bikes the entire time. <laughs> fuck that. Uh, so yeah, no, thanks. Like I don't, my, my, my group rides are always a mess. So yeah, I can. Uh, I, don't really I can have an adequate perspective on this. I've been on both. When I was a rep, a traveling rep, I found myself involved in in a fair number of Type A rides. Um, yeah. And then I always like the big um, sort of like shame uh, for me was that I I've never shaved my legs, and so I would turn out for like a, a road ride, uh, and I have a really nice road bike and uh i would get my bottles instead of my hydration pack all set up and i would show up for the thing and i'm i i have hairy ass legs i have real hairy legs so and i would never fail to get one of those like up and down looks like what yeah were you wearing tube socks uh well no that's the other thing like everyone wears the tall socks uh, they they I my legs are hairy enough that I find the tall socks uncomfortable so I will wear like some shorter socks which is also one of the rules that you're not supposed to Yeah don't. it's got to be what like a 4 or 5 inch cuff or that's something That's right 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 Uh it's just people emulating what they see on TV you know yeah. honestly I think like that's something that I there it's not it's a thing that I love about skateboarding is everybody's just kind of does their own thing it's it's function over fashion and and while there's a great deal of functionality with say bib shorts yeah unless you're a woman yeah but to keep you know to keep your shorts from like bunching up or whatever like i love bibs yep they i don't wear them because i think they look good because <laughs> they they work but i'll also like anymore i'll just wear yeah. a pair of shorts yeah <clears throat> over them yeah uh like baggies yeah um and uh, yeah it's or cycling is very uh linear i guess even in the even in the way that you ride a bike is very linear it's very forward you're yeah yeah yeah, yeah julie Furtado at one point told me that it takes she thought it took more discipline to become a professional cyclist than a professional skateboarder and that was in response to why is there, you know, you look at like Riley Hawk as a musician and a professional skateboarder. Everybody's a photographer or an artist or a yeah. writer or, you know, there's there's such an abundance of creativity amongst skateboarders. And then I was saying, 
like who we have in the bike world is like Jeremy Powers is a DJ and um and Taylor Finney started painting and it you know like a few years ago yeah and who else like what else, what creative what creative endeavors are there within cycling right uh Ross Schaefer you know Paul Sadoff those guys are all musicians but it's not like with skating where everyone's doing their thing. No, no. And, and I mean, this, I don't know what, I don't know what my point is, except that like people, I guess I, it's, I feel like people who are attracted to cycling are very generally linear. Like they're very, uh, in a box, mm. you know, and mm. even like the mash SF kids, when they started doing all the, like the hill bombing and the fixed gear freestyle stuff in the whatever early two thousands or late nineties. Um, that was all pretty free form. And I thought that that was, it was a kind of a neat influence from outside of, you know, people from outside of cycling. But then when they started to learn about cycling, then it was like, then they just looked like everybody else and they were doing the same thing that everybody else was. And it, uh, it's, uh, it became kind of angular, I guess, for lack of a better narrow, adjective. narrow. Yeah. I just became like everything else. You yeah. Know? I, I don't know. I, I think that's like the, the weird corners of cycling have always been the thing that I've been attracted to. I like the, I like tradition. I like the type a cat one roadies all showing up at the coffee shop and they all look fucking super pro and they all, you know, clip into their pedals in unison and they ride away and they, and they have a perfect cadence and like, it's very pretty to me, but I don't want to be a part of it. It's cosplay, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it like on some level it's cosplay? <laughs> kind of. Oh, yeah, I have, I guess. Uh, do you like my new gilet? Oh, I love your <laughs> gilet. <laughs> yeah, kind of, I guess. Uh, so I'm somewhere in the, I guess I'm somewhere in the middle. Like there are, rules that i follow because they work right for me. right right there's practical rules and then there's yeah like what are arbitrary like the the sunglasses the one was uh sunglasses are supposed to go under your helmet the sunglass arms are supposed to go under your helmet straps like that's a rule no it's outside is the rule outside all uh, right outside <laughs> outside yeah outside yeah and that doesn't make any sense to me that's not practical for me, I mean, I'm not going to tell whoever came up with that rule that they're wrong because it's, you know, because it doesn't work for me. But for, because every time I take my helmet off and my sunglasses fall off, like that doesn't make any sense to me. And they sit crooked or whatever. What what I, I experience because I am uh, in a lot of ways the most experienced cyclist among my cycling friends mm -hmm. that they will ask me occasionally. Uh, I, or I will get, you know, it's like you, you answer questions for new commuters. Sometimes people like who are fairly new to cycling, ask me questions about the rules. Like, Oh, what are we supposed to, how are you supposed to do this? And I say, well, you're, if you do what, you know, is prescribed, you put your sunglasses on the outside of your helmet straps, but I can assure you it matters not at all. Mm -hmm. I always try to say, well, well, this is the rule, but who like this is not a thing. <laughs> Don't think about this. Yeah. And who I mean, I, I, who made the rules to begin with? Like, I don't know who's behind that website. And if it's somebody like if uh, if, uh, you know, like a couple of people whose perspective I trust or I respect on all matters of everything. Some old school. OK, like, you know how much I love Pineapple Bob. Yeah. Pineapple Bob. And for those who don't know who Pineapple Bob is, he uh, he was sort of the face of Bridgestone for years and worked at Rivendale. And it's just he's just such a decent human being. And he he rode a bike, rides a bike beautifully, like his abilities on a bike are just it's just poetry. Right. And he just kind of is like this. He's just like this shaman, like this weird little monk. And he just 
the stuff that comes out of his mouth is is beautiful. It's poetry. He's an artist. He's super creative. His perspective on life is so fucking cool. And he he absolutely endure, adores these simple little components of cycling or life that that you might otherwise overlook. You know, like he's a big he taught Gene Oberpriller how to race cross. Like this guy is, I swear to God, he's, he's like a thousand years old. He's like a warlock. He, um, he was talking recently, I, I reconnected with him about a month ago and he was talking about doing drills, but it's not really drills. Cause it's just like, you're just out on a bike and loving being on a bike, but, but practicing getting on, uh, on, cyclocross remounts, uh, from the drive side and the non-drive side. And he referenced Gina Hall, who is who like she, you know, watching her ride is she's it's again, watching Gina ride is poetry. Right. And she can get on the drive side or the non-drive side really beautifully, like effortlessly, effortlessly, effortlessly. And, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't think. I wouldn't think about that, you know, like I, I would just, I would see it and I'd be like, okay, I mean, that's pretty badass. But the way that he points it out kind of makes you take, take a pause and, and really appreciate the beauty of it. I saw, I ran into him one day and he's like, I don't even like to do the tunnel loop anymore. I don't like to do the ride, like long rides anymore. I like to go down to the beach at this little local reservoir. And he's like, I'd ride figure eights. And he starts talking about the sand coming up off of his front tire and just how mesmerizing that is. And, you know, like that's his ride. That's his, he rides to the sand and does figure eights <sighs> and trips out on how beautiful the sand coming off of his tires is like, fuck. I mean, it's just so simple. You hear that and you're like, oh, I'm doing it wrong. Like whatever it no, is I'm doing, I, I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> I'm not doing it wrong. He's just doing it so correctly. So right, yeah. I can you know, tell you that uh, on remounting cyclocross remounts, I am guaranteed four out of five times to crush at least one nut. <laughs> that is, that is. Yeah. And every time I, I'm like in the air, like I'm about to land back in the saddle, I'm like, oh, that looks pretty. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think like, you, oh, the form was good on. Oh, God. Unless I couldn't begin to surmise why that is unless your nuts are so long and yeah, excuse very me long. for saying so but you're supposed to come in like on your thigh oh i know and then slide into position so your balls i think they're um they're free agents they're free agents they're just doing <laughs> like i put them in the bibs you know and you think you got them all torqued uh but my guys are just like you need to tape them up. Yeah, they're like, we're okay. going to the store for taquitos, man. There's, I don't know what they're doing in there. There's a rule is um, not wearing uh, not wearing uh, any sort of undergarment under your bibs. Well, like, that one I think is practical, right? Because if you have ever done that. You're going to chafe like a motherfucker. The chafe though, is you real. Got cotton, you got cotton between your body yeah. or whatever material between your body and your bib. Yeah. And as we discussed uh, when Amanda K. Bryan was talking with us, like wearing bibs doesn't work for everybody. No. Didn't work for her, certainly, which she described. If, if, if whoever's listening to this hasn't listened to the Amanda K. Bryan episode, uh, I encourage it because it was, she is a, sage it was science and and comedy both of the highest order on that one really an amazing uh way of of describe like a very colorful way of describing it all of her uh calamities (laughs) yeah she's like a catastrophe poet (laughs) i feel like Um, i feel like wearing an undergarment under your bibs is like you might as well put your bibs on Put, get a little sweat going and then pour a cup of sand down the front. I feel like that is the same effect. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Rules. Uh, 
Pineapple Bob. What? What? what why'd I bring? Why'd I bring him up? Because he is uh, very precise and ordered and thoughtful about the things that he does. But it, we, I think we're saying it's a little bit different than like the received wisdom of like uh, you should wear five oh. inch socks because you should wear right. five inch socks. Right. It's just a. It's a matter of practicality for him. Right. And and so. To to that end, I guess that's where I, kind of what I was saying. It's like the the rules. Some of the rules are are absolutely applicable because they work for me. They're practical. Yeah. And the, some of the rules, whatever you know. Again, I can start scrolling through. Some of them just seem so arbitrary. So well, really- a lot of them are just like. I mean, not to play amateur sociologist, but I play amateur everything else on this. So why not? Uh, I think <laughs> so much of it is just in group signaling, right? It's like, oh, I do it this way so that other people who do this will know that I'm I'm legit. Uh, OK, yeah. Well, OK, here's here's one. Um, <laughs> rule seven. Tan lines should be cultivated and kept razor sharp. Yeah. Yeah. OK, don't buy that. Saddles. Bars and tires shall be carefully matched. Yeah. Uh, I do. Okay. So like white saddles, I'm a, I got a soft spot for white saddles and I feel like white saddles should be reserved for people who've earned it. Oh, you know, like you can't just like, you can't just like run a white saddle and be like, "Ah, you know, I've been, I mean, you can, of course you can do whatever the fuck you want to do. But I think that it's sort of a bit to me, from my perspective and my experience, being able to maintain or to run a white saddle is is kind of a badge of honor. I think it's real classy. Every time I have ever run a white saddle, I have very shortly thereafter run a light brown saddle. And that makes me like reminds me that I'm a disgusting animal. So I'm just back to black. Black is the safest color for sure. Yeah. For I mean, for everything, T-shirts, suits. Yeah. Yeah, that's cats. right. That's right. Um, if you're filthy, chronically filthy, black is a good choice. And so I choose it a lot. Except for cars or bike frames. I mean, it looks nice. I but guess that's right. I guess that's it's right. Gonna, it's going to it's it still shows an amazing degree of. filth. there you go. Dismantling my rule. I love that. Like you just yeah. did it. We just, you just, <laughs> God damn. I don't even um, know who I am now. This podcast is brought to you by Shimano. I remember getting my first real road bike, uh, in the middle nineties and the guy selling it to me, uh, his main pitch was that of all the bikes in my price range, this was the only one that had Shimano Ultegra components on it. And it was, I guess I wasn't really, I wasn't a, a heavy, I was a bike nerd, but I wasn't a gear guy at that point. And so I was kind of, this was my first introduction to the idea that Ultegra was somehow this gold standard in road components. And I kind of, you know, I'm a cynical guy. I'm a skeptical guy. And I, I sort of dismissed that out of hand. And then I rode the other bikes and I was like, oh no, I get exactly what that means. And it, it, it's never stopped meaning that I've had so many Ultegra bikes, uh, since then. And it's, it really means something over a period of 25 years or or whatever. Uh, It's more now, it's more like 30 to have made something that is the gold standard. Um, and so that's part of the reason we're proud to have them as a sponsor for the podcast. All right, let's and we're back. We're back. We had some audio um, gar- g- garbage. Let's well, let's hit question two. Um, if you could make a new rule that everyone had to follow in cycling, what would it be? Um, you know the sort of the optimist, like all inclusive, nice guy in me says. Everybody has to be all inclusive and nice, but, but then the cynic in me, uh, says that's, that's dumb. So, uh, a rule. Oh, Jesus. Fucking (laughs) 
be aware, be aware of your surroundings. You know, I mean, if, if, well, okay, there's two rules, but one of them applies to dog walkers and that's to clean up your dog's shit. Oh yeah. Because if I step in or ride through one more pile of abandoned dog shit, I'm going to burn the whole goddamn world down. So (laughs) other rule is, um, be aware of your surroundings, you know, don't fucking spit or farmer blow if you don't know who's behind you. Oh yeah. That, but that's yeah. just common courtesy, which of course there is none. Uh, but yeah, there, I was on a, I was like moving up on a dude maybe six months ago on a kind of a road slog or maybe it was a year ago. I don't know. Time is a flat circle and the dude fucking blue snot over his shoulder and I almost kicked him straight off the fucking mountain, (laughs) you know, and it was just, you know, whatever he was in his zone and I don't know what's going on in his life. And, uh, he could have just been totally distracted, but that was, uh, that just like, I just saw red for a second and I said, you know, going forward, look over your shoulder. Cause, and he was, he was uh, sorry. He was just, he, uh, I don't know. Not really. I mean, uh, he didn't say anything. Maybe he's just embarrassed or maybe he had earbuds in and couldn't hear me. Or, uh, uh, I mean, that just like, that just was, I was incensed. Cause that just didn't, it didn't make any sense to me. Um, so that probably have some, some to do with that. Maybe that's not a rule. Like I said, maybe that's just common courtesy. But that's a that's a, a a little bugaboo of mine. I want to go back to the dog shit thing briefly because I have a dog, and of course I pick up uh, his stools um, when he puts them places. And uh, one of my favorite things to do once I'm carrying around the bag of dump is if I like I run into a friend, I'll say they'll be like, "Oh hey John," I'll be like, "Oh hey bag of dump." I like to offer it to people <laughs> and they'll be like, they'll be like, ha ha ha. No, thanks. I'm like, you already have a bag of dump and don't need this one. <laughs> it is, so, this is just, this has been like long has been such a, such an issue for me because people are like the way that I see it. Granted, I haven't, I haven't been with a dog in my life for a long time. But I feel like there's four elemental rules to dog ownership. Mm-hmm. And one is sheltering them. Mm-hmm. One is socializing them. Mm-hmm. One is feeding them. Mm-hmm. And one is cleaning up after them. Mm. And as near as I can tell, almost 100% of dog owners can't figure the fourth fucking rule out. <laughs> it's like people or people be like, well, eat, well, just they just leave it and it'll biodegrade. And it's like... Uh, it doesn't biodegrade any better than human shit does. You, unless your dog is a wild animal and it eats berries and small rodents, like your dog is eating processed shit. So there's all kinds of, there's ringworm and all kinds of other stuff. Not to mention the fact that like, it's fucking gross. <laughs> and I'm tired. I, my buddy Craig got some splattered into his ear oh. and was so but I so bummed. So, um, like you just don't, you just think like, it's just going to go away when you have, what was it? There was a, a deer park in my hometown of Evergreen, Colorado got shut. They closed the park and extracted, if I remember correctly, 800 pounds of shit. Ooh. The park was so fucking polluted because dog walkers just assume it's going to go away. Like if you're going to bag it and leave it, that doesn't make any sense to me either, but at least then it can be dealt with by someone. Usually me. (laughs) I just think I honestly, okay, let me tell you the whole job. I hate the people that leave it. I hate that. It, it drives me absolutely insane. I was in a a little, uh, there's a city park, like a lot of fun trails, really, really pretty in Oakland called Joaquin Miller a few years ago. And there was a gallon jug, like water jug that somebody had, you know, had like empty and had blown into this creek or whatever. And I pulled it out and I put it in my backpack and I was going to take it, put it in the garbage. 
And then there was just bags and bags and bags of shit. There was bags of shit everywhere. And I was like, okay, I could cut the top off of this and I could like fill this thing with bags of shit. Like I'll be the, the poop fairy. Right. And in an hour and a half ride, I, I pulled out, I had 25 bags of shit in my, in my bag. That's a lot of bag. And people say like, well, people are probably just circling around and they're going to pick it up on their way out. And even if that were the case, like I'm not coming in, I'm not out here to see, I'm being nature and be like, oh, cool. There's bags of shit. (laughs) There's another bag of shit, but I'm sure they're coming back to pick it up. Yeah. Like, fuck you. Fuck you. Just carry it with you. It's not that goddamn hard or take your dog to the city park and, you know, like take them to the dog park or whatever. I don't know. I'm a, I, I don't understand my, it at all. My best buddy is a dog and, uh, you know, he does, he, he craps outside. Uh, and so he does that in my yard, uh, and he does it in the woods and I step in it, uh, if I leave it. So I, you know, like I'm on both sides of the equation. I, it's not like dog owners never step in, in, in dog crap. I, it's just simple to me. Like you, you have to pick that up. How many times yeah. do I go out into my yard? And okay, like I'm not, I'm not on every single one of his dumps in my yard. I, I do it in, uh, in batches. But um, you know, still sometimes I'm like raking leaves or doing some uh, uh, regular American dad bullshit, and uh, I'm like, <laughs> oh, God, I stepped in dump again. I hate it so much. I think once when I was a kid, I stepped in a giant dog dump uh, barefoot and it just all between your toes. It just squished through my toes. It just ruined me for that stuff forever. Yeah. I just can't. And then you have to cut your foot off. Yeah. Oh, it's just it's so it's so maddening. It it has nothing to do with the with the rules. I just went into straight pet peeve mode. (laughs) Um, That's okay. But rules to follow. What was the what was the rule? I said another one that actually uh, I got so mad. Be about aware of your surroundings because otherwise oh, be you get your snot in your face. All of yeah, your what about all of your rules are about getting other people's wet um, body <laughs> fluids on you. <laughs> uh, what would what would your what would your rule be? Um, my rule, and I don't always follow this rule. But my rule would be don't complain about the ride ever. Never like you're out with your friends. Don't complain about the ride. Either go do your own ride or do the ride. But don't be that person that's like, this ride is this and we should do that. And, you know, like you get with that person who's just like, and I've been I've been that person. Like usually when I'm off the back, I'm like, why are we hammering? Why are why is it like this? Why do we have to do this hard part? Whatever. Like my rule would be shut up and just either bag and go do your own ride. <laughs> OK, don't you know, don't get your that's junk a, all over everyone else's ride is my thing. That's a good that's a good rule. I've ridden. I mean, I've ridden by myself for so so many years um i I can't even remember ever being on a ride where somebody was griping oh and anymore like i ride with one or two people maybe i I think i've ridden with people more over the course of the last year than i have probably the last 15 as far as i can tell you just ride around by yourself looking for dog shit that's what it sounds like (laughs) (laughs) i either ride I, i either i like go on mountain bike rides or road rides and then i look for little rock outcroppings on where I can drive my remote control truck. Oh yeah. That's pretty much the only reason I ride anymore. Or I like ride and then go into the wood woods somewhere and take a nap. That sounds solid. <laughs> Those are my goals. All right. Let's, uh, let's, let's move on to the, the weeks question three, which is always uh, now a, would you rather? This is so good. Would you rather know the date of your death or the cause of your death? And after I put this down, I was like, that's pretty dark for a Tuesday. Well, I mean, it depends on your perspective of death. You know, we this culture, Americans, maybe specifically like death is this big, scary thing that you have to avoid at all costs. And we have no idea, you know, I I don't I, I have a sense that. 
when you die, your body is done, obviously, but your essence, whatever makes you, you, your spirit, your energy, your soul, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Like that just fires off and goes and cruises around and learns all the secrets of the universe. And you get to see all your favorite animals who passed away or your grandparents or whoever. Yeah. So I like your concept. Mine is just black. Mine is just over. Yeah. Mine is done. I don't I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, because it doesn't make any sense to me. Energy doesn't dissipate. Like, you know, like how can this thing that makes us us, that makes us human, that propels us, how can how can that just go away? That doesn't and maybe it does. I mean, I have fucking right. I don't know. It's been it's been a long time since I was dead. So I couldn't say with any certainty. (laughs) Well, we don't have to argue about that. (laughs) What we need to argue about is, would you rather know the date or the cause? I'd definitely say cause. Because if it was date, I would just, I would fucking obsess. It'd be like that ADD thing where you're like, well, I'm going to die in 15 years. I'm not starting anything now. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That would be so distracting. So I'd say, I'd say cause and whatever, you know, they'd say like, you could even potentially, uh, alter your fate too. If they said like, well, you're going to be in a plane crash then you'd be like, all right, no more planes for me ever. I don't, I think you're and cheating then, there. Then, I don't think that, I don't think it can work that way. I think no, probably not. Cause then like a, like an engine would fall off a plane and land on you right, or something right. and be like, Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I didn't think about that well you know the thing um, about knowing the cause too is like oh you're gonna die in a house fire like i i can just imagine i wake up and smell smoke and i'm like oh shit <laughs> like this is yeah. like that seems even more unpleasant than me- no more sleeping in houses for me yeah that's right um that's where you just move into a tent or a yurt a or yurt something. oh you're gonna die in a uh, yurt fire um <laughs> Uh, date or cause. I think I I don't think knowing the date I I just think that would fuck you up I just don't yeah. think that's a right yeah January eighteenth two thousand twenty four yeah you say okay I got two years left I'm going for it but yeah. maybe I mean if it was if it was like that then it's like well fuck it I'm not paying rent anymore I'm not paying taxes I'm not paying my bills. I'm not doing anything because you really have this window where it's kind of like you, your your give a fuck a meter it just gets broken right and right and I don't I mean I always kind of want to I always kind of want to do that and if right. anything if the last year has taught me anything it's that you're not guaranteed dick <laughs> well I mean <laughs> not I, an actual it was was dick, it last but, episode where you said uh that you got to live like there might be a tomorrow. I think, I think that that is, that is the perfect balance, right? So if you know the date of your death, you know, the point where there are no tomorrows. Yeah. It just breaks the whole thing. Mike Farantino, I've probably brought this up before, but so Mike Farantino had an article in bike magazine for years called, um, the grimy handshake. Mm. And at some point in the late nineties, he wrote one about, it was after Lance Armstrong had been diagnosed with testicular cancer. And around that same time, a buddy of his, who is a journalist or a fellow writer, uh, went back to the United Kingdom and got hit by a truck. We went back to where he lived and he got hit by a truck and killed. And so I think I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this, but the, the conclusion of this article was, you know, like, uh, the way your hair looks or the, or the, you know, paying bills or whatever, like none of that shit matters yet at the same time it does, you know, like if I knew with certainty that I wasn't going to be here tomorrow, would I be recording right now? Or would I be like on a airplane to the Bahamas to see crystal clear water? You know, or, you know, or like, how would I say my goodbyes or something like that? So it, none of it matters, but at the same time, it kind of does. And so that was kind of where that perspective formulated, like, 
you, he, how, how do he said, you never know when your doctor is going to clear their throat in that I've got bad news kind of way, or you look over your shoulder and see a truck bearing down on you. Yeah. Um, and so you have to strike this balance, which I just, I mean, it was such a beautifully written piece and it came at a pretty, um, it, it, it came at a timely point in my life where I was kind of like really recognizing that there is not, you're not guaranteed anything, but you have to exist to a degree like you are. It's a fucking weird balance. It is. It is. But I, and I think it, it probably says like, like pineapple Bob pay real close attention, pay real close attention. And so like, you know, if I knew I was going to die tomorrow, would I go down and make another cup of coffee now in a minute? Not necessarily Probably. unless, oh, I mean, not necessarily. well, <laughs> not necessarily. I mean, I, when, uh, because I'm an addict, I'm always like, well, I did, I'd go get a bunch of cocaine and go to the tattoo shop and I would, yeah. then I'd get fireworks and I would, you know, yeah. um, but you know, like uh, my point is, if you enjoy, if you can enjoy just like, uh, whatever it is you're doing, you don't have to do this for me, for me, like knowing when you're going to die is like getting a gift certificate to like your favorite store. I get a gift certificate. Someone get, buys me a gift certificate to my favorite store and I walk in, I look around and I go, I have no idea. I have no idea what to do with this because I want everything. Yeah. And that's how knowing like if someone said you're going to die tomorrow, I think I would just be like, well, let's just, you know what? Let's just get this rolling now. Let's just do it now because I have, n I couldn't possibly decide. I would be completely paralyzed. Yeah. Yeah, it's a I mean, it's kind of I think that it's an it's as interesting a topic and something that I can become fully immersed in as what would you do if money were not an object? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden you have this cool little house and you can I mean. I, I don't know. I, I love thinking about that and and how your life would change if without restriction, you know, whether it's restriction of this mortal coil right. or financial restriction or whatever. I think it's I think I think they're really it's a really interesting uh, topic to sort of pontificate on. I, my I, I, my thing is. um if I won the lottery, say I won, you know, $500 million, my feeling is I would give all of it away immediately, like as quickly as I could. Yeah. Uh, because I think it would, me, I think it would totally ruin my life. And there's I just would, no way to make it work. I don't think. I'm with you. Um, I agree. I mean, I would be, I would put my, I would set myself up and, you know, my parents and my friends, but I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want for anything. Mm. I wouldn't be worried about, I would be doing pretty much what I'm doing. I just wouldn't be so stressed out about yeah. where my next paycheck is coming from. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so many foundations and animal rescues and stuff. Everybody, everybody would be fucking psyched. Yeah. But I, I, I agree. I think it's just, it's like too much. More money, more problems. I'd rather cure a disease than have a nicer car. And that's not because I'm a nice guy. It's because I'm an asshole in a nicer car. It just isn't good for me. <laughs> um, so we both agree this week, uh, you'd rather know the cause of your death than the date. Yeah. Oh, I hate when we agree. That's, a that's good okay. One. I liked, I liked that one. That huh? could be an entire episode all, all to itself. All right. Uh, okay. Well, what do we do? What, do, how do we, what's that? Oh, uh, thanks <laughs> for listening to revolting. If you have questions for us or topics you want us to pontificate on, it's the second time I've used that word in the last five minutes, which now I'm all out. I can't use yeah, that word. No more anymore. pontificates. Yeah. 
Email me at stevel at cyclingindependent.com. If you like this or any other fun stuff you find on the Cycling Independent website, please consider a voluntary paid subscription. It's currently the only way to ha- we have to pay ourselves. Uh, so, you know, for the price of a pack of smokes, American spirit, because those are healthy cigarettes, right. mind you, you could buy each of us a burrito and save yourself the grief of getting lung cancer. So you would be the hero. Yep. Another week down in the crapper. <laughs> Flushed it. <laughs> yeah, for Cycling Independent. I'm steve I'm Robot. Don't forget to say. Don't